All right, so if you have your Bibles with you, awesome, open them, turn to John chapter 6. If not, you can follow along on the screen with us um, when we get there. But we're talking about uh, the I am statements of Jesus. And we said a few weeks ago, all right, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13. And, uh, and that verse has kind of marked me over the last few months, and as I've been thinking about that, the pursuit of Jesus, right, the pursuit of Jesus, Ephesians 5, 1, imitate Christ, therefore, as his dear children, is the mandate from Paul to the church at Ephesus, and I believe, therefore, the church of today. If we're going to pursue this thing, if, if Jesus is going to be the, the center of our pursuit, then we've got to know who Jesus is, and I think what better way to do that than to look at how he defined himself. And so last Sunday, we talked about the authority of Jesus and, 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 and all of that. And this Sunday, we're starting with, I am the bread of life. Um, and so <clears throat> it was the first Sunday of sabbatical. If you're new or recent with us, I've recently come back from uh, a 12-week sabbatical, um, which was awesome, and I loved it. And one of the things I wanted to do on sabbatical was I wanted to run a race on a Sunday morning. I don't usually get to run a race on Sunday mornings. I was telling uh, some friends yesterday, I'm like, it's kind of hard for me to justify a Sunday morning off from preaching to go run or to go do a triathlon or do something like that. And so I, may, I know it might sound weird and, and all of that, but I just wanted to run a race on a Sunday morning. And so it just so happened that there was one down in Boston on Memorial Day weekend, and so I looked at it, and it was Kristen and I's anniversary weekend, and so we decided to go down, and, and I would do a half marathon on, on Sunday morning of Memorial Day weekend, I think it was like May 26th or something like that. Yeah, May 26th is my first Sunday on sabbatical, so, uh, so I was excited to go and, and run this half marathon. Started, run, ran with a bunch of other thousands of runners in Boston, and I got to run as a beautiful course, and the first eight miles felt amazing. If you know a half marathon, it's 13.1 miles, and, and, uh, and, 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 and in the last four miles or so, I realized that I was grossly unprepared for this race. Now, I had run, like the weekend before, the weekend I went on sabbatical, I'd run 12 miles, and so I was feeling pretty good, and, 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 and on race day, I had a hydration pack, so I had a backpack that I was wearing that had water in it, and so I was trying to be as prepared as possible to, to run this race. I wasn't really concerned about time, because I knew that I had kind of crammed most of my training into the last few weeks of training, um, but in the last four miles, I realized um, that I just wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. And I won't tell you what the two, first two hours after the race was like, just to spare you and make sure that you have an appetite for the rest of the day. Um, but let me just say, it was bad. It was bad. And, and so I wonder, as we're talking this morning, as we're getting ready um, to, to dive into John chapter 6, have you ever done something or tried to do something that you weren't ready for? Have you ever done something or tried to do something that you weren't ready for? A couple weeks ago, I tried to fix our kitchen sink and realized as we got almost to the end of the project, that I didn't have the sealant that I needed to finish, right? So I'm running around the house, I'm trying to find it, because I knew, right, anybody ever been in this position? I knew that I had seen it in the last 120 days. But I just couldn't remember where that was. And in our house, with four kids, you never know where anything's going to end up. 
Because anything becomes a toy. Everything becomes a toy. Right? Can I get an amen from a parent in the room? All right. All right. You're tracking. Okay? And so, and, and so we didn't have, I thought we were ready to do the job. I thought we were ready to do the complete job. And guess what? We didn't have the resources to finish. We weren't prepared to finish the job. So bread, bread, I went out, I went to Hannaford this morning, got a loaf of bread, and um, my, my kids, they, they wanted to help me this morning, and then they um, met some friends, and so they had better offers in the classrooms, but that's okay. Um, I was going to have them just, just hold the bread, and they were like, Daddy, what are we going to do with the bread? I'm just, just hold the bread, because sometimes I think it's nice just to be able to see what it is we're talking about. Right? We can picture it in our minds, but sometimes it's good to just be able to see what it is that we're talking about. So if you take this loaf of bread, let's see, I don't, I don't have any way to prop that up, but okay. You take this loaf of bread, bread is one of the earliest heat-prepared food. I did some research on bread this week. It's one of the earliest heat-prepared food. Uh, maybe because, and, and a lot of articles that I read said this, because it's the it's one of the simplest. It's one of the simplest uh, heat-prepared foods, I guess, out there, right? Especially, you just have a bread maker, right? You just throw... Anyway, um, uh, bread is defined, one article I read, a food that is never thrown away. There's always something that you can do with bread. There's always something that can be done with bread. But bread is also uh, recorded throughout Scripture as a gift from God. When Moses led, uh, fed his people in the desert with food which fell from heaven, and during the Last Supper when bread became the body of Christ symbolically, when Jesus multiplied the bread to feed the crowd, bread became a sign of sharing. Bread became a sign of sharing. How many times do we um, talk about and refer to the scripture where, hey, come over, uh, we just want to break bread together, right? We just want to sit down around the table, and we're just going to break bread together. And the thing, bread became a symbol, became a sign of sharing. And so Jesus saying, I am the bread of life, there's some implications for what that meant. Moses and the I am revelation, we all know that, right? In, in Exodus chapter 3, when God was calling Moses to go and lead the Israelites out from under Pharaoh's rule, um, uh, he, the I am revelation, um, he, Jesus shocked his enemies when he said, before Abraham was, I am. And so Jesus, again, sharing his authority that he was the I am. Before Abraham was, I am. And so the authority of Jesus was from the beginning, What's interesting about that is that the enemies were so furious at Jesus because he said that, because he was making that claim that they wanted to stone him. They knew exactly what he was saying when he said, I am. They knew these words referred to the Almighty God. They knew these words spoke of self-existence. Before Abraham was, I am. Am. And what Jesus was saying, and we talked about it last week, we covered it last week, he was saying that I am the eternal God, and that, and that, made, and that made the religious leaders of that time furious. But this wasn't the only time he spoke those words. It's not the only time he spoke those words, and we're going to look at the rest of those times over the next few weeks. 
But Jesus, in John chapter 6, verse 25 through 35, says, I am the bread of life. So let's read it. And there's a lot of context, and I, I really wrestled um, this week, I'll be honest with you. In fact, I think I called Ian into my office at one point and said, hey, do you think that on a Sunday morning, when the Patriots play at 1 o'clock, I can preach on 71 verses? And he looked at me and he said, if you have to ask, I think you know your answer. So, we're only going to preach on 10 verses. Paired it from 71 down to 10. Because I'm, anyway. But there's a lot, a lot of context here. And I hope, that you can, I hope that you can grab it at some point. I hope you'll go back and read the first part of John chapter 6. And then the, the starting of verse 36 on. Because I, I, I found a way to summarize it. And so basically I want to summarize it this way. And I mentioned this a few weeks ago. But all throughout the book of John... You remember what I said a few weeks ago that Jesus was trying to get across? That he was trying to teach people? And I think John does a great job of expressing what Jesus was trying to teach. All throughout the book of John, and we're going to look at this over the next six or seven weeks, Jesus is teaching that he is the better than. That Jesus is teaching he is better. That Jesus is better. And so, and here, throughout this book, you know, throughout this chapter, Jesus feeding the 5,000, Jesus walking on water, Jesus is trying to teach here that He is the better source. That He is the better provider. Jesus saying, Jesus saying, I am the bread of life, has a lot of implications with Him being provider, with Him being your source. But let's read it. John chapter 6, we're going to start at verse 25. That's where we'll pick up. Jesus is the better than. Verse 25, when they found Him on the other side of the sea, they said to Him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Verse 26, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do you not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which is the Son of Man, will give you, for on Him God the Father has set His seal. And so I want you to see here, Jesus is asking, Jesus is asking these followers, are you seeking me because of what I've done for you, or are you seeking me because you recognize your need for me? Hmm. Are you seeking me because of what I've done for you and how I've filled your bellies or, and, and what I could do for you? Are you seeking me for all of the benefits that you have from me? Or are you seeking me because you recognize your need for a Savior? Are you seeking me because you recognize your need for the better than? And I think that has a lot of implications, right? Because, because for us this morning, what is your motive for being here? We say it all the time around here, God will meet you at the level of your expectation. Right? We believe that God will meet you at the level of your expectation. And what is our motive? What's our motive? Are we here because we're trying to, trying to get a blessing from God? Are we here because we're trying to, we're, we're trying to um, you know, benefit from this in some way? Or are we here because we recognize our need to be here? Are we here because we recognize, you know what, there's a deficit, there's a, there's, a, there's a deficiency, there's something that's not right if I'm not here. There's something that's not right if I'm not here. And Jesus was talking to uh, these folks about 
their motive for pursuing him. And then look at verse 28. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. I want you to see that. I want you to see that this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So Jesus being the bread of life means three things for us. And the first is this, that he is the source of life. That he's the source of life. And we see that here in verse 29. Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. Now, when we believe in something, right, especially when we talk about believing in Jesus, the one in whom was sent, right, when we talk about that, there are some things that are implied there with that word believe, right, that we believe Jesus, right? What does that mean? That means if I believe Jesus, right, then I'm surrendering. Everybody say that, surrender. Okay, come on. That was, a, that was real 9 a.m.-esque right there, okay? That was real 9 a.m.-esque. Let's do it in the way for the 1 o'clock kickoff-esque, okay? Say surrender. Surrender. <laughs> anyway, okay. But it means that we have to surrender some of the beliefs that we have, right? And some of the beliefs that we believe to be true, right? And so, for example... For example, right? And I know there are people that disagree and everybody's like, oh, it's that time of year. We're going to hear about football for the next 18 weeks, right? Okay, well, yeah, okay. But anyway, what? 21 weeks because we're going to go to the Super Bowl. Right, you said that. Okay, very good. Okay, very good. Thank you for that. See, that's someone right there that cheers for the other team, but is believing and surrendering their beliefs because they know the better way. You see that right there? Perfect example. Thank you very much. I need you in the second service. All right. But, we're, but, but so for, for example, right, that I, I believe the Patriots, especially after last Sunday night, are the best team in football, right? But obviously... Obviously, this is a really bad illustration, but obviously, right, Jesus being the better than, right, Jesus is the better than, right? He's better than anything. He's better than anything I'm going to ever get from the Patriots. Tom Brady doesn't know me and doesn't, doesn't, Travis who, right? He doesn't care, right? He does not care. He is not impressed with me, right? But you know who does know me and who does care about me and knows me inside and out? Jesus, And so I surrender some things that I believe to be true, some things that I hang my life on, right? You ever known somebody that's hung their life on sports and and, and those things and or hung their life on their business? And we're gonna talk about those things in just a few minutes, right? But Jesus is teaching I'm the better than, right? I'm the better source. And he says, and he says there in verse 29, and I think, it's a, I think it's an incredibly freeing verse if we take it and we apply it to our lives. He says there in verse 29, he says, this is the work of God that you believe in Him who He has sent. And so we place all of our beliefs in submission to the belief that Jesus is real. That Jesus came and the belief in Him. Him. So they said to him, right, their response, we're going to come back to that. So they said to him, then what sign do you do 
that we may see and believe. This wasn't enough for them. That wasn't satisfying, even though Jesus had just talked about their motives, right? Jesus had just talked about this, right? Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Now, the second thing that we see here about Jesus being the bread of life, and he's about to say it, is that he is sustainer. That he is sustainer. What I want you to see here is, is yes, these, these people that Jesus was talking with, right? These religious leaders that, people, that Jesus was talking with, they're, they're, they knew the history, right? Moses gave bread in the wilderness, right? From heaven. And, and, and Jesus saying, truly, truly, I say to you, it wasn't Moses. It was from my Father who gives the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes. Who is the He who comes? Jesus, the one who's speaking to these people, right? Is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then their response, Sir, give us this bread always. So Jesus is teaching here that he is the sustainer from the beginning, that he was in the beginning, that he is even today. And then look at verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. So they had just said, Sir, give us this bread always. And then Jesus looks back at them and says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Jesus is teaching here that he satisfies. That he satisfies. Not only, not only that he satisfies the hunger, not only that he satisfies the need for nourishment, okay? Because that's, that's what we see here, right? I'm the bread of life. That's what these people are asking for. They're, they're looking for nourishment. Jesus is trying to teach that he's, he, he's he, you know, he's big, he's better than, he's bigger than, right? And so he's trying to take it spiritual, that there's a spiritual need here. Right? And so what what he's saying here is, I am not only satisfying your need for nourishment, I'm satisfying your need for spiritual life. I'm satisfying your need for eternal life. I'm satisfying the need for better nourishment. He whoever eats of, of this bread, the bread that I give him, will never hunger again. I love Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, when Jesus is teaching the Beatitudes. He says, he says, um, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but I, I, I long for satisfaction. Just, and, and, and everywhere I look, and every, every person I watch, and Every business I walk into, or every business owner I talk to, or every, you know, every person that's, that's working, you know, I, I feel like, it, it looks like, that we're all searching for the satisfaction. Anybody, anybody love Thai food? I, I, don't know, I don't know what it is about Thai food. Anybody love Chick-fil-A? Okay, hallelujah, hallelujah, Chick-fil-A, Christian chicken, Okay. 
I don't know what it is. I was talking to Kristen about this Friday night because we, we went to Thai dinner for Bria's first middle school dance, so that's been my weekend, okay? Um, okay, let's move on. Sorry, I got stuck there for a minute. But we, we, you know, we, we did a family dinner. We went out to Thai food, and I was sitting there eating, and Kristen's like, hey, can we share a meal? And I knew economically, and I even knew practically, that it made sense for Kristen and I to share the chicken fried rice, Dan. I just knew it, right? Economically, practically, it made sense. But we didn't. You know why we didn't, Dylan? Because I had the conversation with Kristen. You know, every time I come here, it's good, the food's good, but I never leave satisfied. So I'm getting my own meal. Just got my own meal, ate the meal, we got in the car, we left. She looked at me and she said, you satisfied? Nope. She's like, well, then we should have just shared a meal if you weren't going to be satisfied anyway. (laughs) Back to Jesus, okay? (laughs) Jesus is saying here, listen, I can satisfy every part of your life, not just the nourishment. It reminds me when he's talking to the woman at the well in John chapter 4 when he says, drink of the water that I give you and you will never thirst again, right? You'll never thirst again. And as we see, as we think about that passage, as we think about the woman at the well, right? Who wouldn't want that water? Who wouldn't, who wouldn't want that water? Who wouldn't strive for that water? You mean that you're going to give me a taste of water that will cause me to never thirst again? That will cause me to never want again. And here he's teaching the same thing, only with bread. I'm the bread of life. He who eats from this bread will never hunger again. And what Jesus is getting at here in all of this is that he alone, everybody say alone. alone. All right, that was in the middle. He alone satisfies. He alone satisfies. And so just thinking practically, and I know we're going to get to the, we're going to get to the, application side of this thing in just a second, okay? We're going to get to the, what this means for me in just a second, because I know, I know we all get this. I mean, as I was even preparing the message this week, I'm thinking, this is too simple. But I don't think we have it, right? I don't think we, I don't think we grasp it, right? If Jesus is claiming that if I drink of him and eat of him, right? If, if, I, if I eat him in, drink him, if he is the pursuit of my life, that he will satisfy me, that he is the source for me, that he will sustain me, then why in the world do I look for those things everywhere else but him? Then why do I worship my job? Why do I worship my marriage? Why would I worship my kids? Why would I worship a football team? Why would I worship a sport? Why would I worship a hobby? Why would I worship something else other than Jesus? I'm not saying those things are bad, obviously. But they can't be the center of who I am and the center of my worship. Jesus has got to be that. And so, and so then what happens it is beautiful when we can get a taste of it and a glimpse of it. Is what does it look like to worship Jesus through my kids, through being a parent? What does it look like to worship Jesus in my marriage? What does it look like to worship Jesus in my hobbies? What does it look like to worship Jesus at my job? 
And when those things intersect, Jesus can be the source and the sustainer and the satisfaction. But so many of us keep them separate. So many of us have our little boxes, right? And right now, we're in the Jesus box because we're at church. And so, all right, Jesus, you got, you got an hour. You got an hour. We shoot for 70 minutes every week. Some of you may laugh at that because you know our struggle. But we shoot, you know, all right, Jesus, you got 70 minutes, right? That's our box. And then you're going to go to the food box. And then you're going to go to the hobby box. Or you're going to go to the entertainment box. And then you're going to go to the work box. And then you, you see that? And Jesus is saying, hey, insert me the bread of life into every box and see what happens. So let's go back to these three and let's look at them a little bit more practically if that's all right. You guys okay? All right, good. Rick's okay. Let's keep going. And so let's jump back to verse 29, right? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. And again, Jesus is teaching here. He's the source of life. He's claiming to be that which one needs in order to have life and continue to live. What a claim, right? He's claiming to be that which one needs in order to have life and continue to live. What he said earlier about the one sent from God and the bread coming down from heaven is now clearly identified with himself. He's saying he is that, right? He is the sent one from God. We talked about that last week. He is the bread coming down from heaven, practically. Practically. And so the significance then of earlier in this chapter, him feeding the 5,000, right? It, It was a sign of who Jesus is. The giver of life. The fountain of life. Who gives life. Jesus as the bread of life is a very rich image, right? It's a rich image in which we can see connections with God's Word. Deuteronomy 8 chapter 3 says, live on bread, uh, don't live on, We are not to live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What a rich image. To eat on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then we see Jesus the sustainer, right? Jesus the sustainer. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Bread, this food, is vital for life. It's vital for life. I read this morning, um, we eat, we can eat, uh, or is it we eat? Ah, man, I'm messing it up. I'll have to perfect it in the second surface. But it was something like, it was something like we eat 150 acres of pizza a second. That's a lot of pizza. How many of you love pizza? Mmm. Man, I say all the time, pizza's my weakness. I looked at Kristen the other night, we were having pizza. I'm like, all right, honey, I'm only going to have two, two slices. And she laughed at me. <laughs> she laughed at me. She's like, yeah, right. I ended up with like four. But it's okay. I mean, I'm slimming down from the full pizza that I used to eat. Why are you laughing? Okay. But let's talk about bread being food. So we're going to talk about bread and the overarching, right, food, right? Food is vital for life, 
right? Food is vital for life. No one can live very long without food. People die every day from starvation. God provides food for life for those that call upon his name. That's what he's talking about here, right? That he provides food for life for those who call upon his name. He is not only, is it already 10 a.m.? Is that real? Oh my word. This was a nine o'clock service, right? So we've already been going an hour? Whoo, okay. We got to run, guys. All right? But God, he's the sustainer of life. He sustained the children of Israel during a famine by sending Joseph ahead of time to make preparations for the famine. Once released from Egyptian captivity, God sustained the Israelites for 40 years in the wilderness by sending manna from heaven. We already talked about that a little bit, right? So the point, in Jesus, we are not only given spiritual life and then left alone. But Jesus' is sustainer, right? Jesus' is sustainer says that he has given us everything we need, everything we need for life, everything that we need for life. And here's the point. Here's what I want to say to you this morning. Everything that God has designed you to do, he's already prepared you to do and equipped you to do and given you the food to do. Everything. How do we know that? Because he's our sustainer. He is our sustainer. He equips us. He gives us everything that we need. And then lastly, the satisfaction. The satisfaction. See, we look in the world today. We look in the world today and we see so many that are seeking satisfaction in different areas of life. Think about power. Right? Think about those that are trying to rise to power. Mark chapter 8, verse 36. For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his soul? Right? Gain the whole world, but lose your soul. Gain the whole world, but lose your soul. People look for satisfaction and power. People look for satisfaction and possessions. Jesus told, a man, Jesus told of a man that built bigger barns. And he says, but God said unto him, what fool, this, this, uh, this night, right, um, thy soul shall be required of you, then those who shall those things be, right, which, 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 which who has provided. And so we look, for, we look for satisfaction in possessions. We look for satisfaction in things. We look for satisfaction in pleasures, right? Proverbs chapter 21, 17, he that loves pleasure shall be a poor man. Ecclesiastes 2, 1, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself, but behold, this also was vanity. Solomon had tried everything, yet nothing satisfied. And so we look for satisfaction in pleasures. What about prosperity? Money can buy you a house, but not a home. Money can buy you an education, but not wisdom. Money can buy you a bed, but not sleep. Money can buy you influence, but not respect. Money can buy you medicine, but not health. Money can buy you a spouse, but not love. Money can buy you quiet, but not peace. The things of this world can never satisfy. And what Jesus is saying here, him being the bread of life, is he's saying, I am better. I can fill the void in people's lives. Anybody in here into tennis? A couple of you. Anybody ever heard of Boris Becker? Boris Becker, okay, awesome, yeah. He was at the top of the tennis world, yet was on the brink of suicide. 
He was quoted as saying, I had won Wimbledon twice before, once as the youngest player ever. I was rich. I had all the material possessions I needed, but I had no inner peace. I was a puppet on a string. Many people feel that same emptiness, that hopelessness, that void. Because there's no relationship with the sustainer. There's no relationship with the provider, with the source, with the satisfaction, the bread of life. Jesus came to fill that void. He is the bread of life. So my question for you is this morning, three things. Is He the source of your life? Is He the sustainer of your life? Is He your satisfaction for life? Remember, He's better. Going back to that race in Boston, I finished. I made it. I got my cute little medal. I got an experience of a lifetime that I will soon, never, surely, never, for, never, never forget. The pain, and especially the two hours after. It was scary. I made it. Finished. And listen to me. I hope you hear this very clearly. I'm going to say this and then the worship team is going to come. You can finish. You can make it. You can make it another week. You can make it another year. Kristen and I were talking on Friday night. She's like, there's 99 days left in this year. I'm like, are you kidding me? I haven't even done one of my resolutions that I talked about on January 1. Like, that's unbelievable. I got to get on the ball. There's 99 days left. I was like 97 maybe. I don't know. Right? We could make it 97 more days. You'll finish the year. Right? You can finish the year. God willing. Right? Lord, Lord willing, the creek don't rise. You can make it. Right? But here's the point. So many of us aren't living the life that God created us for because our source is off. Because we're depending on something else to sustain us. Because we're looking for satisfaction in something else. Sure, you can make it. Sure, you'll finish. But don't finish that half marathon the way I finished it. I've thought so many times since then. Come on, worship team. Come on up. I've thought so many times since then. What would it look like if I'd have drank a gallon of water the day before? What would it look like if I would have just made a couple small changes the few days before? What would it have looked like if I'd have run a couple more miles? What would it have looked like if I would have been a little bit more ready for that half marathon? Don't, don't come up to me in between services and say, oh, you just need to do this, you need to drink this, you need to do that. Look, I've thought all summer about how miserable that was and all the things I should have done better and should have done differently, and that's all right, okay? That's all right. Let's just keep those silent, okay? See the bigger picture of what I'm trying to say here, okay? We can make it, we can finish, but God has a better plan for us than just making it.
God has a better plan for us than just finishing. You want proof? Look at the cross. I know I say this a lot, but I believe it with everything in me. I don't believe that God sent His Son to do that so that we could just make it. I don't believe that God went through that with His Son, His one and only Son, so that you could just finish. I think that God did that. And He talks about life and being the sustainer of life. And, 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 and one of my favorite verses in the Bible, John 20, 21, right? And there are many other signs and wonders that are written, or, or that were done, that were not written in this book, but these were written that you might have life. See, I don't believe God just wants you to finish or just wants you to make it. I believe God wants you to run through that finish line, run through those gates, and finish with your arms lifted high in victory because that's what He created you for. So what's your source? What sustains you? And where do you find satisfaction? My question for you is this morning, where, where does Jesus need to be more than in your life? And those three things. As we sing this song, it's a great song, it's called Great I Am. As we stand in just a moment after I pray and we sing that song, I just want you to really, I mean, maybe you don't sing. Maybe you just sit and ponder. Maybe you stand and ponder. Okay, that's my source off. Is my sustenance off. Is where I'm seeking satisfaction off. So Father God, I pray. I pray. I pray that you speak to us. God, don't, don't make this message, don't make, the last, don't, don't make the last few minutes of our life just words or, 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 or just entertainment. Um, but God, that's what they become if you don't speak to us. And so God, I, I believe you want to speak to our hearts. So God, open our hearts to what you want to say to us about the fact that you satisfy, you sustain, and you're the source. And God, show us ways right now. Show us ways in the next few moments. Show us ways for the rest of the day. Show us ways this week, God, that we can't ignore where our priorities are off in those areas. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.